This is the Visionary Podcast. What is up, Visionaries? It has been a minute. Before we start this episode, I want to give you all a trigger warning that this episode contains conversations about disordered eating, eating disorders, and anorexia nervosa. I want to thank Kate Tunnell. We recorded for 45 minutes and could have gone for much longer. Kate is a sophomore from the West Coast studying psychology at Harvard. When we are talking about eating behaviors in this episode, we are talking about eating disorders as well as disordered eating. I encourage you to do a quick Google search to clarify and differentiate the two, as they are both important to this conversation, but neither Kate nor I are professionals, and none of this content should be taken as medical advice. We are speaking from personal experience only and our understanding of the topics. As many of you know, it is National Eating Disorders Awareness Week. We hope that this episode is timely and valuable, and as always, challenges you to see things from another point of view. So essentially, I had kind of IBS-related problems for a big portion of my high school life. Um, And then after I graduated high school, I was actually diagnosed with SIBO. It's called small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Yeah, I, I basically became so afraid of eating anything that would make my gut issues act up. And I think that this is actually how a lot of people um, begin to have disordered eating patterns. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not always about how you look um, or body image or, you know, related to some type of social anxiety. A lot of the times it might be because of how you feel. And for me, that's what it um, originated and I was so terrified of eating any type of food um, that could possibly inflame my stomach because it was just such a horrible experience to feel that way and so then I started kind of seeing all these different practitioners and people that said that they could help me out um, including some like virtual care doctors providers they had never seen me in person so they were just going off of our conversations um, and I was getting a lot of different information from them, from the actual, from the actual physicians, and then also influencers online, social media. I was doing a bunch of different things that the care providers didn't necessarily know about that I was just kind of doing on my own because I, I seen on social media and I thought that this was the quote unquote right thing to do. And then all of a sudden I was doing all of these different things at once. Um, and, you know, going on all of these anti-inflammatory types of like eating patterns or just just like really really weird stuff and then all of a sudden it was like I couldn't eat anything uh, according to me and when was this and so this was like spring of like right when COVID started it's like April 2020 I guess um and they yeah I mean they just never had seen me and so also like as we continued to go on this path and I continued to lose weight because I was eating so few things and like continuing to, you know, rule out more and more food groups because I was afraid of how my stomach would react. I was afraid of my stomach hurting. But then because I lost so much weight, it became obsessive because my brain was like deprived. Like my body was literally, my brain was literally not functioning properly. Like it couldn't understand the fact of like, whoa, like you're like literally skin and bones. Mm. 
And so it's interesting because it really started as not about weight loss, not about how I looked. It started as about how I felt. Um, and, you know, I'd also, like, I will say I'd, also, I'd always been into, like, health and wellness. Yeah. Um, and food specifically. Yeah. Um, so it's not like this kind of just came out of nowhere. I'd always been, like, wanted to be a healthy eater, um, had struggled with kind of, like, bad body image in the past. Um, but this specific instance was definitely more about the medical side of things. And then all of a sudden, I was, like, super underweight. Um, my doctor hadn't seen me still, so it was only, like, kind of over telemedicine. Mm-hmm. My parents didn't say anything. Um, to the doctor? Yeah, or to me. Yeah, during while all this was happening. Um, I wore really baggy clothes a lot of the time. Um, so it was never, like, a dress that you... Yeah. Something going on. Yeah, it was never really addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time that I remember it was addressed was kind of like in that summer. Um, so like all through the spring, I was like losing weight, whatever. I was also working out a lot during this time too, okay. um, because right. you know extra time. Right. Exactly. Once Everyone you has those at home yes, workouts. exactly. <laughs> and like yeah. kind of like once you start losing weight, all of a sudden it's like it becomes addictive. Mm. Um, so even though I didn't go into it like I want to lose weight. I came out of it, I can't gain weight. And I don't know when that transition happened, but I do remember feeling really scared to eat a lot of different foods and was ruling out like carbohydrates, was ruling out like what anything that was that was processed because I thought it would hurt my stomach, I thought right. it would make me bloated. Um, fall of my freshman year, I was definitely still just like underweight, even though at this point my parents had said something. Uh-huh. Um, And then kind of like when I came back home after the fall of my freshman year, they were like, okay, like shit's got to change. Like you have been like, and I did a bunch of blood tests. It's like low and everything. Yeah. Some alarmist doctor was like, oh my God, you're going to die. Like not actually, but she was like, you, if your heart rate doesn't get above this, 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 you're going to have to be hospitalized. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, I literally went from like living by myself in college and like functioning perfectly fine to like, you're going to have to be hospitalized. Mm -hmm. Like when did that happen? Yeah. Like it's like, oh, they're telling you one thing, but you're experiencing like a completely different thing. Like what you've perceived to be normal. Right. Right. It's been, it was so normal. Mm -hmm. It was how I lived my life. It really was. And... It may, as like horrible as this sounds, like part of it made me happy. It made me calm. Um, I also have like anxiety, like mm-hmm. really bad anxiety. I take meds for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't take meds for it before l- last yeah. spring. Um, and so I also think that like not eating enough and like working out a lot was a way to cope with my anxiety too. Gotcha. Um, Cause it like feels gotcha. like you're controlling something in your life. And also like during COVID, there was a big lack of control. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That whole experience just kind of showed me that you can really be under eating and like not have somebody who's like looking out for you yeah. about it. Um, really, the only reason that I had a big intervention was because my sister had obvious anorexia. I genuinely like I don't know if I would have gotten, like, the treatment and recovery that I did if that hadn't happened to her. Do you remember when your parents addressed it for the first time? Yeah, well, um, I mean, there were little things. Like, I remember my dad being like, you look really skinny. Like, 
are you okay? Mm -hmm. But, like, that was, like, such, like, a passive, you know? I was like, yeah, yeah, like, it's just, like, my meds, you know? Like, I would just start saying that. Um, But definitely, like, when I came home over, like, in November um, of 2020, came home, my sister was super, super sick. My parents were basically, like, traumatized by the entire experience. Like, my whole family was, like, kind of uprooted by this Mm -hmm. a little bit. Just because I don't, I don't really want to like talk too much about her, just yeah. for like privacy. But um, you know, we did kind of like family-based therapy, which like really takes a toll. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible illness that makes people act in ways that like I can't even describe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember that I started working with like an eating disorder specific therapist, a dietitian, and a eating disorder doctor, like that kind of like in January, I guess, Mm kind of like after winter break. Um, And they were like, okay, here's your meal plan. Like, here's what you're going to do. And I was extremely resistant. I was like, I don't need a meal plan. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I literally have been eating on my own for so long. Like, I can do this on my own. And it's like something that you've always enjoyed, like controlling yourself Mm -hmm. or like having that like creative reign, some may say, over like what you think is healthier, like what you should eat. Yeah. Yeah. And I also was like, I know how to eat. Like, I love food. Like, no problem. I can eat more. Like, no worries. I couldn't. I literally could not. Like, I couldn't gain weight myself. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. I don't know why. My brain wasn't letting me. That is when I realized I was like, whoa, like, this shit is real. Sorry, can I swear? I, like, didn't even ask. No, you're good. Um, Like, it's a real thing. I was like, whoa. Like, I literally, like, eat. it caused me so much emotional distress Mm -hmm. and I didn't know that it would until I tried it um and so that's when I kind of like submitted to like okay I'll be on a meal plan I'll meet with this therapist twice a week Mm -hmm. like I was like really in like intensive therapy and recovery um which actually isn't really something that I think a lot of people know yeah um what I went through just because it's not I don't talk about it that much but knowing what I the treatment that I had to do and that my sister had to do makes me like really stressed for a lot of people that I know or even that I don't know that I think have either disordered eating or an eating disorder and never went through the same treatment Mm. either because their family like didn't know who to reach out to which is like very normal um you know, my parents were, like, reading books on books about, like, eating disorders, like, how to have family therapy, how to rebuild a family after trauma, like, kind of all these things. And it was, like, I know that every family that has a daughter or son with an eating disorder, like, doesn't do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know what needs to change in our world for that to be kind of, like, more readily available. Um, but, like, it changed my life. Do you feel as though someone can, quote-unquote, overcome an eating disorder? Mm. Like, do you think that it's just a can-be-a-temporary thing or, like, a solvable thing? Or is that not even the right approach to the issue? Yeah, so I definitely think that it's not a solvable thing. Okay. Um, I think that you undergo therapy, you get... I mean, really, just, like, gaining weight helps so much. Yeah. Um, even if, like, like, a lot of the times what they'll do is just, like, focus on the actual eating before there's any type of therapy about, like, oh, like, how do you control your anxiety otherwise? Like, how do you improve your body image? Like, literally the first thing you have to do is eat more food mm-hmm. because without that, your brain is, like, it's you know, it can't function. It literally can't function because it doesn't have enough 
calories in its body, you know? Like, our brain uses up, like, some crazy percentage of, like, the calories that we ingest every day. Um, So without that, like, you're just, like, can't even – can't even deal with therapy. Um, But I do think that, you know, for me personally, I have had a really smooth road, um, like after recovery. There's definitely like sometimes when there's other things in my life that are upsetting or I don't know if I'm going through kind of like a depressive episode, like I might kind of like fall back into my old ways or my Mm -hmm. old ways of thinking, um, whether that be like fixating too much on food um, checking myself in the mirror, like all these things, which like are just like old habits. But like, I think that a lot of people, I follow a lot of people on Instagram now who kind of have like either recovered from eating disorders or like an active recovery. Um, not for the purpose of like comparing myself or anything, but sometimes I just feel like there's really like useful tips, Mm -hmm. um, really useful information. A lot of them now like actually like to share statistics or Mm -hmm. like, um, I don't know. I just find them to be supportive and I like seeing what's going on in in, like that world in terms of like media representation of all that stuff. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say, like, of the people that I know and of the people that I follow, like, relapse is very, um, like, regular and Mm -hmm. um, not something that should be, like, taken lightly. Um, And it also, I think, really depends on, like, the initial treatment that you did. Mm -hmm. And, like, kind of if if people do kind of, like, half-assed whatever, they can, like, go their entire life with, like, a low-level eating disorder. Yeah. Um, Whereas, like, if you fully recover and, like, actually, like – gain a good amount of weight I think it can really like make a difference in like the rest of your life Mm -hmm. yeah how long was your treatment recovery process yeah so it was probably like I mean I started in like January and went till like mid-summer so January February March April May probably like five months okay um but then, you know, I'm like, st- I like still did therapy, yeah. like, but I, by August, um, I did like a yoga teacher training in Maui, which was like, I, I was actually supposed to do that like in March, mm-hmm. um, but my family said no. Yeah. Um, which was like a huge thing because I'd never had anything like that controlled for me in my life. Right. You know, like I was always a very kind of like self-sufficient person. And I think one of, like, the hardest things about eating disorders is admitting that to yourself and, like, also to others that, like, you need help because it's not something you can do on your own. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just not. You need someone to, like, tell you to eat something. You need someone to tell you, you know, how to do it because I think there is a way to do it. And people who go into it blindly, like, oh, I'm just going to, like, you know, eat more ice cream at night. Like, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And, like... You're just going to have, even if you, like, gain five pounds and you're like, oh, I'm healed. Like, you're not, you know? Um, Like, it's a process to recovery, and I don't think a lot of people really, like, know that or recognize it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It sounds like you're talking a lot about mindset Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think a lot of people recognize it. Like, I always think, I always tell people, like, this podcast is everything from, like, mental illness to like mental toughness Mm -hmm. and like everything in between I think it's like so important to recognize how did your thinking change around food specifically yeah so I definitely um saw it a lot more as like 
I, I eat mindfully, like I enjoy food, but also like it's not everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like uh, all throughout the day, like just thinking about my next meal, mm-hmm. which is just not a way to live. Yeah. And I'd been accepting it as a way to live. Um, but the second that you stop living that way, like there are so many other great things that you can accomplish. And so I think something really helpful for me was like, finding other things that I was good at, finding like other passions that I had and putting like my mental energy somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so like for a time being, that meant for me like not cooking my own meals. Um, And, you know, I was lucky enough to have a mom who like really loves to cook and was always kind of like making dinners and there was always leftovers around. I would eat out a lot, but just kind of like removing that from my mental time space was really helpful um and then yeah because I mean when you do have an eating disorder like so much of your time is taken up by like either thinking about it or like actively engaging in it Mm -hmm. and so it feels like your accomplishment of the day you know Mm -hmm. it feels like you're like what you're good at because it's what you spend the most time doing and so then it's like when you don't have that anymore all of a sudden it's like well fuck like I'm not good at anything like because I just spent all that time engaging in that mental illness that's like now I can't have it like it's taken away from me and so I think something that really helped for me is like saying okay like what are the other things I love what are the other things that like I used to be good at um, you know, who are people that I can talk to that are I'm going to, like, feel like I have a real connection with. I spent a lot of time, like, getting coffees and, like, meals with friends. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time painting. I spent time thinking about what classes I wanted to take at school. Um, yeah, just, like, pursuing passion projects and, like, knowing that my ability to, like, get over that, get over my eating disorder and, like, eat more was going to fuel me to, like, make a difference in this world. Like, I'm not making a difference in this world by making myself skinny, you know? It's like, what's that going to do for anyone? So just, like, kind of shifting that to, like, it's not about me. It's about showing up here. It sounds cheesy, like, about, like, making a difference, but, like, genuinely, like, I want to do something that's going to, like, you know, make a mark. Like, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've been through, like, a lot of shit, and I want to be able to, like, not only share it with others, but, like, use that to kind of, like, inform what I end up doing in life. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What is, like, that developing passion that you have? Like, what change do you want to enact? Yeah, so I, um, well, I actually really wanted to study, like, the humanities when I first Mm kind of, like, came to college, um, and that, like, totally switched when my family and I went through this whole, like, like, getting over mental illness experience, and, like, now I'm studying psychology, and I'm super, super into it. Um, I also am a yoga teacher, and, like, that's Mm -hmm. something that I'm really passionate about, even though that's not academic or anything, but it's definitely, like, a passion that I want to continue to grow and like share with other people. I really want to help people like find alternate treatments for anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Um, Or just like, you know, if you're vulnerable, if you know that you're vulnerable to mental illness, like what can you do besides like getting on a pill? Um, I do, full disclaimer, like I do take anti-depression medication. I don't want to be taking it. I have a really hard time expressing my emotions and I feel like being Mm -hmm. on antidepressants like 
literally it's like I can like recognize oh like I should be feeling this right now and I'm I'm like do I feel that no not really (laughs) um and so they've helped me so much like I will definitely say that like there's like a huge huge benefit to taking them but they take away a lot of the good things in life too so um I yeah I'm like, want to continue to, like, kind of do research and, like, inform myself in the space, whether that be, like, psychedelics or, like, you know, mm-hmm. other things like nature, being in nature, just kind of, like, small things that you can do for treatments that add up. I think we're, like, so focused on, like, the quick fix yeah. and, like, one pill wonder. And there is no quick fix. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there, I mean, it kind of is it a quick helps. fix, but, like, it has negative repercussions that, yeah. like, kind of suck. And, like, in our world now, like, there's already a really big kind of, like, lack of human connection, I feel mm-hmm. like, especially in the U.S. And so, like, adding medication that, like, stops you from feeling, like, love and emotions like that is not the best, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. 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 For sure. What about, like, yoga kind of brought you to that space things because in my personal experience like I found any time like I connect my movement of like my physical body to like Mm. that kind of like mental um like being that you have it puts me in this the flow state yeah and like I think that's just like a really healing like place to be in when you feel that connect and you feel grounded and you I feel like that's super powerful what are your thoughts on that yeah I mean obviously I'm biased yeah (laughs) but I I mean it changed my life really like I the the feeling of like being strong and like feeling like I move with intention engaging in mindful movement like people don't know like if you like actually are like in a stretch and you just think of like focus your entire attention on like wow what does my hamstring feel like right now you can get into this like crazy state of just like being so in tune with your body and I think it also helps you kind of like have that real connection with like your physical form um because a lot of times people are like like living outside their form like just kind of like going about their day like always thinking about the next thing Mm -hmm. engaging in conversations with people like all these things that are really important but you know we forget that we're like living in a body you know and like that body needs attention too um and yeah I mean that really helped me in my recovery too just like feeling like wow like my mind and my body like are one like they are one in the same and like my mind needs to care for my body and like vice versa Mm -hmm. so yeah do you feel that once you devote time to your body you're able to accomplish more like Mm. be more yourself yeah I mean I definitely think it helps you kind of like yeah connect to your body also like connect to who you are um too like the more that you actually get to know like how you feel the more you can say like the more your mind is like rewired Mm -hmm. to kind of like Uh, like assess itself more often um and like that's the same thing with meditation like even if you're like oh today's actually a good day like I feel like a lot of people think about meditation as like oh I only do it when like I'm having a bad day or like when I need it but like if you do it when you're having a good day then your mind is just kind of like programmed to go back to that state of like okay breathe connect with myself like and your your reactivity to stressors in your life is just like lower like you just have like less of like a negative reaction um and so I think kind of like building up that mind-body connection can really help you like show up as who you want to be you know um because it is a form of meditation Mm -hmm. um mindful movement um but you know I think they have different benefits for different 
people, you know, whether like just sitting with yourself and like focusing entirely onto your mind benefits you or whether like trying to like focus on your breathing and your body. Like sometimes for people that like don't really know how to meditate, it can feel really overwhelming. It can feel hard. So like I definitely think that like mindful movement can be a good like first step Mm, on the road of meditation because you're like, you know, like thinking about – you're moving. It's easier if people find moving and sitting – and like being with their thoughts so much easier than like sitting still with their thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your viewpoints Mm -hmm. on these really difficult issues. Yeah. Let's dive into our last segment, the quick vision questions. So the rules are you answer these questions in either one word or one sentence. So what's one thing that you wish people who have never experienced an eating disorder could understand? That there are people and like treatment centers out there that are really effective and that are worth investing your time into. Mm -hmm. It's like honestly like the biggest thing that like you should reach out for help. Even if you're functioning and even if like you're living your life going like you're not like, oh my God, I'm going to like pass out right here. Like, just if you feel like you need treatment, like, get treatment. Um, second question, are you pro or anti-diet? <sighs> I think that's very hard because I don't want to say I'm anti because I think there are some people who are, like, if you're, like, really struggling with your health in terms of, like, um, uh, having, like, super high blood pressure or something like that, like, some type of structured diet might actually be really helpful for you just to like get back on track um, and kind of like set good habits. But besides that, I'm very anti. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what is your favorite food or drink in the current moment? What's your go-to? Ooh. I really like, my roommate has gotten me really into overnight oats. Oh, okay. And I really like them with like yogurt and berries. Yeah, I'm also a really big, like, matcha latte person. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, question number four. Um, Who is your favorite health influencer? Yeah, so I really like this girl, um, Olivia Pooling. She's, like, I think she's my age, maybe, like, 22 or 23. Um, And she's just, like, bad bitch energy, like, lifts weights. It's, like, a personal trainer. It's all about kind of, like, girls can lift heavy, too. Mm. Um, like really healthy mindset, just like fueling your body, fueling your mind. So definitely check her out. Also, if you're like trying to like get into like lifting weights, she has a bunch that aren't super intimidating that are like just Instagram workouts and you just like slide through them. They're not like some crazy thing. So nice. What's her name again? Olivia Pooling. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. On Instagram. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. And then question number five, um, what advice do you have for a young person or, like, a young visionary, like, listening to the podcast who's struggling with an eating disorder? Ooh, so many things. <laughs> I would say, like, probably the biggest thing is to either, like, think about or write down the things in your life that, like, you used to love or that you used to do, like, before you feel like eating disorder mm-hmm. um, tendencies developed. And then the second thing I would say is to write, like, a love letter to your eating disorder. Like, literally write it like a, like, goodbye letter. 
Um, you know, like acknowledging all the things that like you used to really love about that, all the things that like, oh, I miss this, I miss that. Like just write it, get it out or think about it because it's important to acknowledge it too. You know, it's like you can't really just ignore it and then be like, okay, now I'm going to like do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it'll just always come back and like bite you in the ass. Like mm-hmm. it's like will always be there unless you devote time and energy to like accepting it and letting it go. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd awesome. say. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, Kate. And yeah. to everyone out there, I'll leave you like I always leave you. If you can see it, you can be it. It all starts with you. And we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs>